I want you to take your copy of God's Word and go with me to the book of James together. James chapter 1, we return to our series of studies in James that we began not too long ago. We took a short break for Christmas, and now we come back to James. And as you turn to James 1, let me ask you a question. Do you know what temptation is? Are you kidding? (laughs) Are you kidding? Do you know what temptation is? Stephen Cole shares an example of the power of temptation from a, an example from Reader's Digest some years ago. He says a, a man was on a diet and struggling. He had to go to, go downtown as he started out and he remembered that his route would take him by the donut shop. As he got closer, he thought that a cup of coffee would hit the spot and then he remembered his diet. That's when he prayed, Lord, if you want me to stop for a donut and coffee, let there be a parking space in front of the shop. He said, sure enough, I found a parking place right in front on my seventh time around the block. (laughs) That's temptation, right? That's the power of temptation. It is amazing how much power it seems to have over us when we are tempted to do what we know we should not. But God's Word has something to teach us about temptation, thankfully, right? I am so thankful that when I turn to God's Word, I constantly find things I need. Here's something we all need. Some instruction about temptation. God's Word has something to teach us about temptation today from the epistle of James. Let's look together at verses 13 through 15 in chapter 1. Follow along. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now God is gracious to give us hope through his word, so that in the midst of living life and dealing with this little thing we call temptation, it's not such a little thing in our lives, is it? We can know we have victory through Christ. We can know we have the answers to deal with temptation. Because we have victory through Christ and we can learn to overcome the temptation to sin with the wisdom of God's Word. And that's what we have before us this morning. Overcoming temptation can be accomplished, James teaches us, first, and note this, by exposing the source of temptation. Let's make sure we learn to expose the source of our temptation. And James tells us what it is. But first he tells us what it isn't. Right away, James is quick to make clear that the source of our temptation is not God. It's not God, says James in verse 13. Now you say, "Ah, I wouldn't accuse God of tempting me. Oh yeah? Look at verse 13 again. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Listen, 
God never tempts his children. God never tempts anyone. Why? Well, because evil is against God's very nature, isn't it? God cannot be tempted, nor will he tempt anyone with evil. So says James. So says James, no blame shifting. (laughs) No blame shifting allowed. And isn't that the very thing we love to do? We are so good at blame shifting. We're so good at putting the blame elsewhere rather than on ourselves. We're all pretty natural blame shifters. We see it all the way back to the Garden of Eden, don't we? You know what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? Adam wanted to blame Eve because he had sinned, and Eve had offered him the forbidden fruit. But God wouldn't let him blame Eve. Adam would answer to God for his own sin. For his own sin, God uh, God would hold Adam accountable. Guess who Eve wanted to blame? Eve wanted to blame the serpent. But God wouldn't let her, would he? God would hold Eve accountable for her own sin. And ultimately, we have to agree that they were both accusing God. They were both ultimately blaming God. Proverbs 19 and verse 3 is a very clear example of our tendency to do this when we say, well, I wouldn't blame God. Well, oh, yeah? Proverbs 19.3 gives us a very clear example of our tendency to place blame anywhere but on ourselves and to eventually place the blame on God. It says Proverbs 19.3, when a man's folly, note that, when a man's folly brings his, own, brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Now, that's not right, is it? I mean, Proverbs 19.3 makes it clear. It's the man's folly, after all. And foolishness is bound up in our hearts because we're all sinners at heart, right? But when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. That's our natural tendency, isn't it, to kind of strike out at God and say, God, how could you allow this? Or how could you bring this? Or... Did you tempt me? Eventually, all our blame shifting points back to God, and in doing so, we're attacking His holy nature. See, God is holy and righteous and completely just and does not sin and cannot sin and does not tempt anyone with sin. So James tells us God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. Now, that is not to say that God will not test us. Right? God may test, but He never tempts. The tempt, to tempt would be against God's sinless nature, but that does not mean He does not test. In fact, God's Word tells us about that too. God's Word gives us examples of how God tests godly people and ungodly people both. Let me give you a couple of examples. Psalm 11, verses 4 through 7. Listen to these. Psalm 11, verse 4. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous. But His soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let Him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. 
You hear that? The sinless nature of God, the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. But we heard it, didn't we? The Lord tests. He tests the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous. And then we hear this in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. Interesting, isn't it? So yes, God tests, but he does not tempt. He does not tempt. So says James, blame shifting and refusing to take personal responsibility for one's own sin is not the path to overcoming temptation. You will not overcome temptation by accusing someone else or something else of causing you to sin. The path to overcoming temptation is found through exposing the source of of temptation. What is the source? And we need to expose the source of temptation, which means placing the blame squarely where it belongs and properly placing the blame for our temptation, according to James here in verse 14, means that we admit and we agree with God that temptation to sin comes from our own desires, our own sinful desires. Look at verse 14 again. James says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. But we know he's talking about sinful desires because of what we find earlier, right? When he says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed, you cannot say that God has tempted you because God cannot be tempted with evil. So he's talking about evil. He's talking about evil desires. And he himself tempts no one. And so when verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, he's talking about evil desires, sinful desires, right? We need to be certain that we are willing to place the blame for our temptations on our own sinful desires and on no one or anything else. Now, why are we tempted to sin? Well, because our nature is a sin nature. And we are tempted to to sin because we each, without exception, have sinful desires. And even with the new nature, that is, with Christ living in you, if you're a child of God who's trusted in Jesus Christ and been forgiven your sins, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the new nature, but you still battle the old nature. And you still fight with sin. And you know, as well as I do, you still struggle with temptation to sin. Now, we might be prone to ask here, but doesn't, doesn't the devil have a part in my temptation? Can't I blame the devil? <laughs> and yes, the devil does have a part in your temptation. James even points to that later on in chapter 3 when he notes that bitter jealousy and selfish ambition at their root are unspiritual and demonic. And then in chapter 4, he teaches that to, to overcome pride, one must resist the devil. So James does not deny that the devil has a part, but here in chapter 1, he's, he's 
trying to help us. His purpose is to help make clear that blaming God or blaming our upbringing or blaming our surroundings or blaming the devil is to deny the real source of our temptation. We don't need the devil to give us a source for temptation. We carry it around within us. So we cannot blame and we cannot shift blame. We are all so quick to place blame and and we see it in our culture also. I mean, think about how our culture responds to sinful deeds by sinful people. What, what do we often do? Our culture says, oh, they've got a disease. And, when, and there must be some way we can treat this disease or counsel this disease or, or, or help correct them with this disease. No, the, the root of our problems is our sinfulness and our sinful desires. Putting the blame anywhere else denies personal responsibility. And God holds us accountable just like He demonstrated with Adam and Eve and demonstrates again and again in His Word. We will be held accountable for our own sinful choices. Placing blame anywhere other than where it belongs is to deny the true source of temptation. The true source of temptation? Our own sinful desires. But when I recognize the truth and I admit that responsibility for my sin starts with me, when I give in to temptation to sin and and I yield to that and I recognize that, when I back up and I say, sin starts in my heart and my sinful choices originate from myself and my willingness to give in to temptation, when I recognize that there's hope, when I'm willing to take responsibility for my own actions, there's actually hope. there's a a beginning of hope right there that we can find the way that God has given us to deal with temptation. But if we're going to deny, if we're going to blame shift, we're going to be struggling with temptation for a long, long time. We have good desires, right? And I'm not suggesting that all of our desires are evil. We have good desires, but even good desires can be acted on in a wrong way. Think about the natural desires that God has given you. I mean, there are some very natural desires that are good and acceptable as long as we respond to those desires in a God-honoring way. But we can often make good desires sinful desires by choosing to respond to them in ways that oppose God's Word. And when we're tempted to sin, which is what we're talking about, We make choices whether we're going to sin or not. And we can choose to respond to a good desire in a wrong way, and that is sin. That's why James says in verse 15, look at verse 15 again, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so we overcome temptation first by exposing the source of temptation, our sinful desires. Be willing to admit and agree with God that, yes, the source of my sin is the sinful desires that I cultivate and act on. It does us no good to act like someone or something else made us sin. We must begin with this recognition that our own sinful desires are where our sins begin and where they germinate and grow. And then we must arm ourselves for battle. Now that we know, and now that we're willing to agree with God about where the the start of our sin is, 
and what we do with temptations and where our temptations begin and where they turn wrong, then we must arm ourselves for battle against those sinful desires. So we learn here that we must actively arm ourselves for battle. And we live, we live in a culture that is often opposed to the things of God's Word, but God's people cannot afford to be opposed to God's Word. We must take God's Word of truth and actively arm ourselves for the battle that rages within us. Because there is a battle that each and every one of us is a part of. Whether we're fighting or not is the question. And the battle always begins in the mind. I'm suggesting the battle always begins in the mind. Think about it with me. Where do we deal with our sinful desires? We think about them first. We deal with them in our minds. We think about them. We consider them. We mull them over. We play these mind games trying to figure out how we might justify gratifying our sinful desires. And we justify somehow thinking maybe God will ordain this and make it okay and acceptable in some way that I can fathom. We play these games in our minds like the guy driving around the block seven times, right? Maybe somehow, oh God, if you want me to do this, then open the door, show me the place, give me a parking space, whatever, right? And the more we give time to those sinful desires, the more time we give to those thoughts, the more time we allow those things to remain in our minds, the more likely we are to begin thinking sinful thoughts, and those sinful thoughts begin to breed sinful actions, don't they? So James warns us, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. Don't keep those evil desires around. You need to purge them. You need to replace them with God-honoring desires. You see, for the follower of Christ who gives in to sinful desires, there's spiritual death. You might say, well, I'm not going to die. I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I have eternal life because I'm forgiven my sins. Yes, you are, by the blood of Christ. He's paid the debt for your sins. But you can allow sin to take root in your life and that will bring spiritual death, spiritual separation between you and God. You cannot carry on a fruitful relationship with God when you are entertaining sin. Making room for sin is dangerous. Allowing sinful thoughts to remain in your mind and those evil desires to take root and germinate and give birth to sin is a a deadly place to live, even for believers. That's why the wisdom of God in passages like 2 Corinthians 10.5 is so necessary. Paul writes this, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Knowledge and thoughts is what Paul talks about. We need the knowledge of God, don't we? The knowledge that God has given us in His Word. We must be people of God's Word, people of the book, people who read it, people who believe it, people who take steps to obey it. If you want to have victory over temptation to sin, you must see that sinful desires conceived give birth to sin, and sin brings death, and you must arm yourself for battle the battle that rages within you You've got to be willing to take up arms against your sinful desires. And God has armed you and equipped you with His Word and with His Spirit if you're His child. So we dare not leave the armor laying around, right? 
We dare not neglect the armor. We do not dare not quench the spirit and resist God's truth by not reading his word. You arm yourself with the word of God and the power of Christ in you to wage the battle in your mind, in your thoughts, which left unchecked breeds sin. We're in dangerous territory if we don't take up the armor that God has given us. That's why I keep saying it. I know you're tired of hearing me say it. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read it this year. If you've not, not, not read God's Word yet, begin this year. And don't stop at the end of this year. And if you didn't finish last year, pick up where you left off and keep reading God's Word. You need the seed of truth at work in you to dispel the darkness of sin, to take the place of the sins that you, you want to be done with. You need the Word of God at work in you daily. That's why I challenge you to read the Bible this year. God's Spirit at work in you will use the Word to help you win the battle with temptation. But if you do not take God's Word, it's like going into battle without any ammo, without any weapons. We would not send our troops to battle without weapons and without ammunition, would we? And as God's children, God has given us the equipment we need. But so often... We walk out the door into life daily without the weapons, without the equipment, without the armor, with no defense against Satan's ploys to tempt us. And yes, Satan does have a part, but we had better see that those evil desires begin in our hearts. And Satan takes those and uses them against us to cultivate and mature sin in us to separate us from God, to separate us from the joy and contentment and peace and satisfaction that's ours when we live in, in a right relationship with God by taking in His Word, by talking to Him in prayer, by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work as the Holy Spirit takes the Word and reminds us and challenges us and convicts us of what we need to do and not do. And we celebrated the Lord's Supper this morning And we did so because it's only through Christ and because of Christ we have victory over sin and its consequences. You know the consequences of sin are death. We hear it here in our passage. Unforgiven sins bring eternal death and separation from God in an eternal hell. Yet the alternative is glorious. The alternative is glorious and eternity with God an eternity to worship God, an eternity to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, an eternity to be content and at peace with God and filled with joy and overflowing with praise toward God. You see, for all who trust in Christ, what we have, we have because of Christ. And instead of an eternity in hell, we have an eternity with Him in heaven where we will know far greater peace and joy and contentment than we can ever know in this sinful world where we pursue our passions thinking somehow taking action on our sinful thoughts and temptations will bring peace. Thinking somehow they'll bring joy. In fact, they bring just the opposite. A lack of joy, a lack of contentment, a lack of peace. Turmoil. I think you know this. I think you've felt this. You've known this. When you allow sin to remain, you're not happy. But God helps us now, doesn't he? 
We have an eternity in glory in heaven with God, don't we? We look forward to that day. I look forward to that day. I can't wait. We see what happens in our in the world in which we live, and we say, even so, come Lord Jesus any day now. But for all who trust in Christ, we have help now. We don't have to wait for heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word. We dare not neglect those things. It's because of Christ. It's because of He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. We sang it today, didn't we? It's because He who is in you is far greater than the the deceiver, the father of lies, the devil. Yes? And He is in you. And it's because He's in you, you can have victory over temptation to sin with the Word of God and by the power of Christ at work in you to obey today. And what joy and peace and contentment can be ours when we walk in the light of these truths and we deal with the source of our temptation ourselves with the truth of God's Word, putting the Word to work, looking in the mirror and seeing the things that need to be changed, letting the, the Word be the mirror that God uses to show us where we need to confront ourselves and our sinful desires. How blessed we are to have God's Word and God's Holy Spirit at work in us, yes? How blessed we are as God's people to know that we have the tools to deal with temptation. I asked, do you know what temptation is? And that was a foolish question, wasn't it? We know. We know what temptation is. And if you're a child of God, you know in the bottom of your heart you want to get rid of temptation. You don't want to be tempted. You'd like to kick it out of your life, wouldn't you? I trust you do. Be certain you expose the source of temptation, your sinful desires, and then arm yourself for battle with the word of truth and the power of Christ in you and take those thoughts captive to obey Christ. Amen.